1: Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. To Home Office, American Federated Life Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Attention, Harvard Huntington, General Manager. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during my assignment in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Or, the nights may be black down there, but the magic is blacker. Expense account, item one. $15 $15 for a pair of tickets to see the show Detective Story at the Hudson Theater New York, which I never got a chance to use since I was sitting in the living room of your Hartford home down, promptly at curtain time. I want
2: to thank you for coming out here. Why, that's all right, sir. Sorry to break into your evening like this, but since I have, I'll get right to the point.
1: Fine. Perhaps you've heard of the Gordon family here in Hartford. Well, what I see of the society page is I'm flipping back to the sports section. But I've noticed the name. Diamond studded, aren't they?
2: Yeah, immensely wealthy. Pillars of society and surprisingly quite a proper family. It is all but one of the sons, Ralph. Heavy drinker. Complete waster. Near to will. A blot on the old discussion, eh? Yes. Continually getting into one scrape or another. Now he's done it again. I tell you that you're not worried about Ralph the man, but about Ralph the policyholder. Well, to put it bluntly, yes. I don't think it's unethical for a company to protect its interests. In this case, the policy is in the amount of $150,000. Payable to his death to charity or to his wife if he's married. That's quite a piece of paper. Yes, to be quite candid, i rue the day it was issued. But the point is this. Ralph Gordon, at last report, is dying aboard his yacht at Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Oh, you don't need
1: me, Mr. Huntington. You need the Mayo Clinic.
2: Scholar, yeah. I hesitate to even mention this in the presence of a sane man, but from everything we can learn, young Gordon is not dying from any known malady. He's dying as a result of a... Well, it's pure nonsense. He's supposed to be dying as a result of a voodoo curse. Now, anyone with any sense... Now, wait a minute. where did you get your information? i his older brother Thomas, the doctor. He's down there in Haiti with Ralph. I want you to go down and debunk this thing, Dollar. Find out what's wrong. Why, any sane man knows there's no such... voodoo. You don't believe in it, do you? No. Not unless I see
1: it working.
3: Expense
1: accounts. Item two. $148.70, Hartford, the Port-au-Prince, via airplane. Expense account item three, $32.50, tropical clothes. They didn't fit me, but they fit the weather. And uh, item four, 25 bucks. Spent while I browsed the waterfront bars in Port-au-Prince, looking for somebody who knew oh, where the Gordon yacht was more. About this when I found him, out. he not only knew Ask that, he first. knew everything.
4: Ask me first. My name's Cap Reagan, and I've been here since before repeal. Give up my citizenship, I did, with the help of a couple of prohibition agents. Oh, you don't say. Uh-huh. And I figure on sailing out in the final days right here. What do you want with the Gordon craft? I want to see the owner, Ralph Gordon. How do I get to it? Oh, I reckon you pay me to row you out to her. My dinghy's down at the foot of the pier, just a short hill from where we're at. Oh, good.
1: Come on, let's let's shove off there. Uh, just whittled it down my ration here. I... <coughs> 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 hmm. that
4: no put me shipshape. What'd you say you wanted with that schooner? You
1: figured on buying her? Thanks for the compliment, pal. Listen, if I bought a boat today, it would have to be a surplus life raft. Now, I told you I want to talk to Gordon. Friendly visit or uh, other kind? I'm beginning to see how you know so much about this island.
4: Well, never
1: question, never learn.
4: Remember that, Sonny. Yeah. Yeah miss way, veer off starboard. Oh, sure. Never
1: question, never learn. Yep. Well, I'm an insurance investigator, and a company sent me down here to look things over, including good
4: Something wrong?
1: I don't know yet. What do you know about him?
4: A jugful, Sonny, a jugful. Stood into the harbor about two months back. No sooner dropped his hook than his crew started taking the pierhead lead. (laughs) Everybody jumped at the bosun for reasons of his own. Why did they leave him? Because he was half seas over all the time. You navigate with sextant, a compass, and parallel rulers, Sonny. Not with a double shot and a water chaser. You get the drift.
1: Yeah, they were afraid to sell.
4: Huh? Aye, that's the line of it. And if you'd ever piled into a reef, you'd feel the same. That, yeah, here
1: we are. Oh.
4: That's my dinghy down at the bottom of that ladder. There's Gordon's yacht out there. You see her? Oh yeah. That uh, tug's passing the stern of her now. Yeah, I see. That's a lot of boats. Yeah. She carries a suit of sail like a brain clipper. <laughs> Wait till you see her close. He's as dirty as a garbage scowl. Give her a hail now, sonny. You're close enough.
5: Hey, anybody aboard?
6: Hey, aboard the yacht. Anybody home?
5: Ship
1: was dirty, I didn't notice. It may have had good lines, too, but it couldn't have touched what stood at the rail wearing clam diggers, an off the shoulder t shirt, and a Caribbean tan.
4: Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Here's a rim hole for you. Yeah. That'll be his wife. Yeah. His wife?
2: Oh. Can I uh, come aboard?
6: Who are you? What do you want?
1: I'm Johnny Seller from Hartford. I want to talk to Ralph. Oh.
6: Well, yes.
4: Because you'll have to come aboard. Yeah. I'll swing the stern into the ladder. Okay. Yeah, you Oh. Okay. Steady now. Yeah. Steady, steady. Okay, Cap,
1: You wait for me, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well,
7: how are things in Ralphie's old
1: hometown? Uh, cold. But uh, not as cold as this reception.
7: Don't let it throw you. What is it, A friendly drop in? Business? Or just plain snooping? If it's the last. I'm Edwina. The wife they haven't heard about at home.
1: Congratulations. Now I know why you like to wear your shoulders bare. It's better to keep a chip on them.
7: If you're through being sharp, I'll let you hear what's left of my husband. Come on. Who here. Okay. You've got a visitor from Hartford.
8: Get away from this cabin, you dirty little gold digger, and take your visitor with
7: you. Wine's all gone. Why don't they send another case of wine? There you are, you Got the door locked. You'll stay that way till he runs out of wine, Yeah.
4: Enough
1: to know how you acquired your charming attitude. forget it?
7: I walked into it with my eyes wide open. Get back out on deck. The
9: light's
1: better if we bob at each other. Yeah, sure. Sounds like fun. Well,
7: do I have to help you,
1: officer? Not until you help me by answering some questions. I'm an insurance investigator, and I was sent down here by the company that holds a policy on your husband's life. Uh, what should I do, Frank? The story they got was that Ralph was dying from some kind of a voodoo curse. They don't believe it, neither do I.
7: Why not? That might be true.
1: Huh?
7: Some old dame, they call her Maria LaSalle. She came out to the boat. She yelled some things at him, and when Ralphie threw a bottle at her, she swore she'd put a curse on him. How'd they hear about that back in Hartford?
1: Ralph's brother, Dr. Thomas Gordon, told him. You know him?
7: Yeah, we hate each other. I wonder why he'd tell them.
1: Maybe because he thought somebody who'd be better off with Ralph dead was using Maria LaSalle's curse as a cover-up. How would you stand as his widow? Oh, Never mind the axe. You're his beneficiary, or didn't you know? I said get off. That's trouble, eh? Oh,
7: him. yeah come here, will you? All right. Who's the boarding party? Just get him off, him. I'll see you in my cab.
4: Sure, honey. Anybody get you this upset? It'll be a pleasure. Well, mate, do you walk or dive?
1: Save your strength for the last scene, Goliath. I was just leaving. Fence account, item 5, $3. Paid to Camp Reagan as water taxi fare. Item uh, 6, 80 cents. Land taxi fare to Hotel Francois. and up-at-the-heels hangout for not only the best in tourists, but also Brother Thomas Gordon, MD. Yes?
5: I'm Johnny Dollar, Dr. Gordon, from Hartford. I... Oh, yes, Dollar. I've been expecting. You. They wired me you were coming, down. Come in. Thank you. Well. Oh. Please make yourself comfortable. Uh, could I offer you something? Nothing but some brotherly advice. Why, certainly. You know, I, I feel like a stupid fool for not being able to handle this thing myself. So now that you're here, you call on me for anything. Have you seen Ralph? I tried to, but he locked himself in his cabin. Mm-hmm. Tell me, as a
1: medical man, how do you digest this voodoo curse story? Why, it's ridiculous. Good
5: heavens, this is the 20th century. I, I do think that science uh, doesn't know everything it would like to know about voodoo, and black magic. There are stories supposedly true, but any victim would have to have a highly susceptible mind. Mm. Now, I know my brother, Mr. Dollar. His, his mind is susceptible, owner to his own whims and fancies. Well, then, what's the matter with him? That's it. I, I don't know. He's drawn within himself. He seems to be searching almost insanely for escape through alcohol.
1: Hasn't anybody thought of putting him on the wagon? I, it's a horrible idea, but I've heard it works. I don't think this is the time for it. He's suffering mentally and needs release. Well, that leaves us with only one thing to think about. No matter how thin you cut it, it's still voodoo.
5: Oh, I'm a man of science, Mr. Dollar. I, I'd make hypocrisy out of all my knowledge and training if I attacked the problem from that direction. But, but please, you let me know what you learned.
3: Huh? <laughs>
1: Expense account, item seven. Four dollars. Rental of horse and cart in which my walking tourist guide, Cap Riggin, and I jolted out of town in search of Maria LaSalle. Something made me feel like I was riding my last mile in a tumbril en route to the guillotine. The moonlight was fighting a losing battle against an army of storm clouds that were sweeping in. That'll make it worse, I heard a drum. Here there, sonny? Yeah. Uh, sort of a tired Jean Krupa.
4: Means we're getting close to Maria's headquarters. Is uh, she the only one around here? Yep. Yeah. None of the good Hugans performs in her territory. She's too mean. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> What's the
5: matter? Yeah.
4: We're here. That's the path. Over there by that gnarled old tree. From here on, you plot your own course.
1: This is close enough for me. Oh, me too. Well, how do I know I can't put a curse on her? I've never tried. Smooth sailing, sonny. The pants ran along the edge of a field of sugarcane. On the other side was a solid wall of jungle. First, I smelled some feathers burning. Then I heard the chant. There was an opening in the wall of jungle that led to a small clearing. And just before the moon was smothered by another cloud, I saw a shack... Little clouds of smoke curled out through an open door. and I could see the glow of a fire on the floor inside. <clears throat> Maria, I want to talk to you. Who
6: is it? comes to the house of Maria.
1: My name wouldn't mean a thing to you, but what I have to say will. Can I come in? Andre, what
6: is this word of so great importance to stop Maria?
1: All I know about voodoo is I don't believe it. I've come to you because I haven't gotten any answers from anybody else. I want to know what's behind this so-called curse you put on Ralph Good.
6: You don't believe You like me.
1: Voila! Billy! I couldn't see what she'd thrown into the fire. She'd reached behind her for it. But when the smoke from it whirled around me it seemed to grab my throat and squeeze, I stumbled back to the door. I hadn't believed in Voodoo when I'd come in, but going out, I wasn't so sure. <laughs> <laughs>
10: In just a moment, we'll return to the second act of Johnny Dollar. But first, the two Orange Bowl teams, Santa Clara and Kentucky, will be honored by Vaughn Monroe and his CBS caravan tonight. Vaughn and his great band will play favorite songs of the two Orange Bowl teams. Be sure to hear Vaughn Monroe's caravan, followed by the Gene Autry Show on most of the same CBS stations tonight and every Saturday night. Now, with our star, Charles Russell, we return to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: My throat burned. My eyes were looking at each other. My lungs felt like a pair of deflated footballs. And the blood in my head was pounding a better and louder rhythm than that drum staggered around the heavy jungle air, and when I could breathe again, I gulped in enough to lift the grab zeppelin. By that time, I was cool enough to get hot in anger. When I got back to the shack. Maria had either disappeared in the space or blown the coop. The atmosphere was not quite deadly. I crossed over to where she had been squatting. She hadn't left much of what she smoked me out with, but she left enough to swing things back from the world of black magic into the world of logic. A few shreds of photographic film on the dirt floor. And film made of cellulose and nitrates not only takes pictures, it puts out nitric oxide and nitrogen dioxide when it's burned. A combination that would live up to the demands of any gas chamber. Captain rode me out to the Gordon yacht. This time I boarded without a hail. Ralph was still in a bad mood as I started to pass Sunder his cabin. Wine.
11: Why don't they send the one? Empty. Empty!
1: His antics inside the cabin sounded interesting, but not half as interesting as the conversation coming from Edwina's cabin. Dear Edwina, the little wife they didn't know about at home.
4: Sure that makes any difference if you're in too deep to back up how would you like it if i spilled the whole thing
7: what did you do make? me you better than landing in a haitian prison with your motor showing
4: think it over angel i'll be in my sack when you make up your mind how
5: wrong can you be
12: see
4: you later
1: since i've been on the receiving end of so many surprise sluggings this was almost a pleasure <coughs> What are you doing on this ship, get off? Oh, no, not at that intriguing conversation I just heard.
7: What? How much did you hear? If
1: I added it to that gas assault Maria Cell threw at me, it'd be enough to nail you and Loverboy here for conspiracy to commit murder.
7: Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, the
1: point is, I know what you two were talking about. Oh,
7: listen to me. You've got to believe me. I don't
1: have to. Well, try me anyway.
7: Well, I... I admit that Em and I... Well, it was because Ralph turned into a wino after you were married.
1: This probably marks the first time in history that a bicycle melted in the court of French.
7: Please, let me finish. When my marriage went to pieces, I, if I had to do something, or go crazy. see Ralph drinking up all the champagne on the island was just more than I could take. I was going to divorce him and, and leave with him, but we weren't going to murder him.
1: Chapter one has so many holes in it, it would have been printed by a punch press. You don't worry about landing in prison with your motive showing when all you're planning is divorce.
7: Oh, yes, you do when people are waiting for your husband to die under mysterious circumstances. That's why I was trying to make him go away. If Ralph died, who'd look any farther than the erring wife?
1: Can you lock this camera from the outside?
7: No. What are you going to do? You're not going to lock me in?
1: No, just your playmate. You're coming with me. Where? To Maria Lassell. I want to catch your reaction when she sees you.
7: You don't believe me.
1: No. With 150000 at stake, I don't even believe myself. There's a shark. Go ahead.
5: Go on in.
6: Oh, is Come to the door Maria. Oh, are you woman?
5: Well, Mr. Donald? Are you satisfied? Not quite.
6: And you who oh, don't believe. Why are you here? You wish again to see the power of my smoke?
1: Let's drop the act, Maria. I know what you doing to the fire.
6: It was my broker of
1: smoke. Yeah, well, a good man from the police believe. laboratory can sift enough out of those ashes don't to know believe. it was foam.
6: What is this you say? I
1: say that I've got enough on you, you old fake, to put you in the local pokey.
6: Who oh,
9: dare to speak this to Maria?
1: And that's where you're going to go if you don't cooperate. That's a promise.
9: What is it you want?
1: Did somebody put you up to this cursed business that Ralph Gordon is supposed to be under?
9: A man of your ass. Who was it? I, I do not know. Now go. That is all. It's
1: not enough. What was his name?
9: I, I don't know the name.
1: What did he look like then?
9: My eyes are closed.
1: Nuts. Come on. No! I'm taking no. you into town if I could to drag you by the hair.
9: No, no, don't touch me. I will tell you how it is. It is true. I do not know the name or the face. He came to me. He asked me when comes the next rain and will. I tell him last night, but it is tonight. This storm comes with deceit. He tell me he needs storm to close ford holes in the ship. Huh? He say, if I bring this curse, I will be the best who on Haiti. Because it kill white men. That is difficult. That is all. Now you go.
1: I want the film for the fire? Did he give it to you?
9: This is true. Not long before you come.
1: Well, get rid of it, Granny. Before you lose your license to operate.
9: Now... Hugo. Maria will be alone.
1: Okay, Mrs. Jordan, Let's not stay for the music.
7: Did you make head a tail out of what she said?
1: Hey, look. look. What, what goes into your husband's cabin?
7: Nothing but food and wine. Mostly
1: wine. Well, who fixes his meals?
7: I do. Our cook left us.
1: Well, what about the wine? Where does it come from? You said it was champagne, didn't you?
7: Yeah, it always comes from the same place. Liquor shop in town, a case at a time. Oh, nothing makes any sense. What are you going to do?
1: All I can do, try every angle. But that's not all I'm going to try in that liquor shop. Um... Defense account, item 8. 450. Two quarts of rum. The purchase of which helped loosen the tongue of the proprietor who had been supplying Ralph Gordon's champagne. Which wine? A piece at a time, packed in dry ice. There is good The words that poured out weren't exactly intoxicating, but they sent me staggering to the nearest phone. Yes? Hello? Hello, Dr. Gordon. This is Dollar. Good.
5: Uh, Dollar, I've been wondering a What have
1: you learned? First, tell me this. What would happen to a man if he was in a ship's cabin on a stormy night with all the portholes closed and there was a lot of dry ice in there with him? What? What was that? A small room. No ventilation. A lot of dry ice. Uh, a lush may be passed out. What would happen? Good
5: Lord. Dry ice is solidified carbon dioxide. If enough of it evaporated into the room...
1: The lush would not be bothered by a hangover the next morning because he wouldn't wake up, right?
5: Exactly. The gas, although not toxic, would force the oxygen from the atmosphere and the result would be asphyxiated. What are you getting
1: at, Thomas? That curse your brother is suffering from is very scientific. The champagne he's been getting has been chilled by dry ice. About five pounds per case. And one case went out to the yacht just before the storm broke. Oh, Lord,
5: well, it may be just coincidence but Ralph's right, and that's was...
1: Boseman. Yeah, I know. For a Boseman, he'd make a very good chemist. Well, send for a pull motor, will you? If it's too late for your brother, maybe I can use it.
4: I'm playing fish sailor. I hail from Hong Hey, Cap! Blow, Cap. Blow. Come on, Cap! Where's oh, sonny. Turn him around, George. From a shipmate in me. <laughs> this is wrong, Never mind state. around, Cap.
1: You gotta roll me out to that yacht again.
4: Huh? What do you take me for? A blasted galley sleeve? Come on, My back is about broke now from all the rowing in this. Twenty bucks. In this... What'd you say? <laughs>
1: I didn't think it could rain any harder than it had, but it did. We would have been drier swimming, and the visibility was so bad, I would have had to have a seeing eye sealed to find the ship. But about 20 minutes out, Cap spotted a riding lights.
4: Here's your lie,
1: silly We were on target, but so was somebody else. A searchlight stabbed out at us. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! This sounds like prohibition days. Who's giving us a
4: broadside? I can't tell you. I'll lay a pelican hood over his head if I get my hands on him. Hey. Hey,
1: Cap, what's the uh, matter? Got my left leg. Right? Cap, get down to the bottom. I'm going over the side. <laughs> to me, swimming is a pastime to be practiced only under ideal circumstances. In a pool. And preferably in the company of a well-filled bikini suit. But there was nothing to do but swim. So I swam. <laughs> I tried to remember how many shots had been fired, and that's where I made my mistake. There was a lull in the shooting, which I took to mean the gun was empty. I put my head down in the best Weissmuller style and thrashed my way to the ladder. But when I got there, the first thing I saw after I'd shaken the water out of my eyes was the muzzle of a rifle. The face looking down the barrel at me belonged to Brother Thomas Gordon, M.D.
5: Sorry, darling. Killing you wasn't in my plan, but now it'll have to be done.
1: I wasn't surprised at that, but I was surprised at what happened. I was waiting for a bullet to come my way, but instead, the doctor did. Are you all right, sir? Yeah, yeah, I am. Something wrong that a Turkish towel will cure. I'll thank you later for spoiling his name. Get a hook on the doctor. He's a right. prize fish. Don't let him get away. I grabbed a fire axe out of his case on my way to Ralph Gordon's cabin. If it needed ventilating, I knew one quick way to do it. I didn't check for oxygen. I took a deep breath, held it, and went in. The cabin was littered with wine bottles, and in one corner, in an open case, was the dry ice that was in the process of cooling Gordon off for good. He was stretched out of his bunk. I lifted him to my shoulder. Use the last of my breath getting him out of there. accounts, item nine, $30, cover charge at a hospital where I put the revived Gordon under the care of a doctor, not his brother, who happened to be resting in a jail cell at the time. His motive hadn't been the insurance money. He figured to gain quite a chunk as the only heir to the Gordon fortune, if he could have taken care of Brother Ralph. Uh, item 10, same as item nine, same hospital where they patched up Cap Riggin. Item 11... Return trip to Hartford. And uh, expense account item 12, $40. An ounce of voodoo perfume for the lovely, but uh, sometimes chilly, Edwina. Maybe if she tries that kind of magic on her husband, he'll spend less time with a bottle, Joy, and uh, more with her kind. Uh, Expense account total, $424.70. Signed, yours uh, truly, Johnny Dollar.
10: Yours truly, Johnny Dollar stars Charles Russell. Tonight's script by Paul Dudley and Gil Dowd was produced and directed by Ralph Rose. Featured in the cast were Betty Lou Gerson, Sylvia Sims, Ben Wright, Ken Christie, Howard Culver, Dawes Butler, and Tim Graham. The special music is written and conducted by Leet Stevens. Be sure to be with us at the same time next week when another unusual expense account is handed in by... 20 dollars. Were you right? Were you wrong? Did you know it was Buster Keaton playing Sing It Again's Phantom Voice these last few weeks? Well, now there's a new Phantom riding the airways on Sing It Again. And for identifying him tonight, some CBS listener can win $50,000 in cash and prizes, radio's largest jackpot. Phone calls go out from coast to coast, so be ready for the new Phantom when Sing It Again comes your way over most of these same CBS stations later tonight. Now stay tuned for Vaughn Monroe's Caravan, which follows over most of these same CBS stations. This is CBS, where yours truly, Johnny Dollar meets adventure every Saturday night, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
1: It was a week before Christmas, and all through the house, a creature was stirring. And boy, what a rat!
10: This is another in the adventures of America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, Johnny Dollar, starring Charles Russell. At insurance investigation, Johnny Dollar is only an expert. At making out his expense account, he's an absolute genius. <laughs>
1: Expense account submitted by special investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office Industrial Insurers Incorporated, Hartford, Connecticut. Attention Mr. Eben Stevens, General Manager. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during investigation of small-time swindles of big-time department stores, uh, or how I played Santa Claus and almost got left holding the sack, or going for a sleigh ride without benefit of snow can be tough sledding. Expense account, item one. One dollar, tip to messenger who delivered this assignment writing by hand to my apartment.
12: Thanks, Mr. Dollar.
1: You have never been known as a fast man with a buck, Mr. Stevens, and I must say your note to me also marked you in my mind as an economist with words. Dear Dollar, our
11: client, the Association of Department Stores of Greater Manhattan, has requested help on the following problem. A young man has been making the rounds of New York department stores during the current Christmas rush. Using his equipment, an official-looking sales book, he goes to a business department, makes a quick sale on some large item, writes it up in his furious sales book, takes the customer's cash, and disappears. Enclosed, find varying descriptions as furnished by victims to date, and uh, check for your usual retainer fee. Please put a stop to this nefarious practice at once. Signed, Eben Stevens, General Manager. Expense
1: account, item two, $6.21 dollars 21 Train fare, Hartford to New York. Next morning, at 7.03 on the Banker's Special. A train uh, very cleverly named that because 75% of its load is made up of bankers. I sat among them in a parlor car, watching them limbering up for the day's chores, slowly shaking their heads from side to side and softly whispering, no. We arrived at Grand Central at 9.20. The bankers got off and headed for their granite vaults. I got off and headed to face my stone wall. Expense account, item three. Four bits, cab fare to offices of the Association of Department Stores of Greater Manhattan. There, things got brighter right away. Her name was Judy Whitehall. Boy, how she'd been missed by the scouts for the Copacabana, I'll never know.
13: I have been assigned to help you all I can, Mr. Dollar. What would you like to know first?
1: Your home phone number. (laughs) Oh, well, Maybe we better wait until later for that. Uh, how many stores are there in your association, Miss Whitehall?
13: We have 120 member stores, Mr. Dollar. Mm,
1: great. You know, in one department store, I'm the kind of a guy that can't find the glove department. And now I've got 120 stores in which to find someone I don't even know.
13: Well, we do have the man's description.
1: Yeah, as a matter of fact, we have a lot of descriptions, all slightly different. And
13: the regular store detectives are all on the lookout. Yeah,
1: it's like looking for a noodle and a spaghetti store. And
13: all the sales personnel have been warned.
1: Beautiful.
13: What's beautiful? Your face. Well, really, Mr.
1: Dollar. Hmm? After all. Oh yeah. Oh yes, I know business. Well, before I start, maybe you'd better give me a letter of, ident- of identification. If I spent all day mosing around department stores without buying anything. I can stand a good chance of getting picked up as a shoplifter. Right away.
13: Follow me. All right. Right. Oh, just a minute. Hello, this is Miss Whitehall. Oh, yes, Mrs. Sandler. Oh, my, that's terrible. My goodness, that's awful. Good gracious, that that's worse. Well, well, the insurance investigator is here right now, Mrs. Sandler. We'll, we'll be right over.
1: What's so terrible? With
11: well,
13: that man, the one we're looking for, he was in the Miller's store making a phony sale in the camera department. Oh, you
1: also said it was awful.
13: It was. A little girl picked up a camera and snapped his picture, and the man tried to take it away from her, and the girl yelled, and then her mother screamed.
1: And what made it worse? Well, a
13: store detective came running, and the man shot him. Then he grabbed the little girl, camera and all, and ran off. They called the
1: police. Really? I can't imagine why. <laughs> A mob scene in the Miller's store would have made the Notre Dame backfield feel hotter, Uncle. Christmas neckties were selling like hotcakes. Only compared to most of the ties, a hotcake would look better on you. The camera department was on the mezzanine, and the store manager, Mr. Sander, was on a rampage.
8: Why doesn't somebody do something? Why can't they find him? I've got men posted on every door. He's in this store somewhere, and... Oh, Miss Whitehall, it's about time. who is this?
13: Oh, this is Mr. Dollar, Mr. Sandler, from the insurance company.
8: Well, I don't know what you can do, Dollar. I've already got 20 policemen running all over the store. It's absolutely ridiculous, preposterous, and fantastic. That's what it is.
1: Also amazing. Now, tell me, Mr. Sandler, about that little girl who picked up the camera and snapped the culprit's picture. Did they find her yet?
8: They certainly did, in the rug department. She'd been shoved in the middle of a pile of 9 by 12 Orientals on sale at 123.50. She was scared, but not hurt. And the girl
1: was found without the camera, I
8: suppose. Naturally, but the camera wouldn't do us any any good. After all, I'm sure the camera didn't have any film in it. They never do when on display. Well, how
13: about the store detective, the one who got shot?
8: In the hospital, Miss Hall. They'll call me here as soon as they find out how badly he's been hurt. Well, look, getting back to that
1: kid. Was she able to give you a good description of the guy who grabbed her? She hasn't stopped crying long enough. Well,
8: how about her mother? Neither is she. Well, where are they now? They're in my office. That's why I'm staying right here. Where is your office? On the eighth floor, right next to the credit office.
1: Well, this may be the first time I ever got past the credit office. Come on, Judy.
11: Come on, uh, blow your nose. There. Now, be a brave little girl.
6: I don't want to. He hit me. He tried to kill
1: me. Oh. He took away my camera. Uh, uh, let me have another try, Mr. Jenkins. All right, Mr. Dollar, if you think
3: it'll do any good.
1: All right. Uh, oh, come on now, Bobby. All you have to do is tell us what that bad man looked like. We'll get him, and then we'll fix him. Come on now, huh? I
3: don't wanna! He'll kill me! I'm
1: beginning to think he's got a point. Okay, Bobby. Okay, okay. Just a minute
13: now.
1: Oh, Judy. Here. Yes, Johnny. Looks like it's a child psychologist. I'm nothing. At this point, I feel like telling little Bobby to go out and play with some old razor blades. Got any suggestions?
13: Well, it is almost Christmas. Yeah. and one thing little girls don't want to do at Christmas is get in wrong with Santa Claus.
1: Ah, gotcha. Good gal. Where do we find Santa Claus? In, in the toy department,
13: on, on the fifth floor.
1: Well, give me about five minutes to explain things to Santa, and then bring Bobby down. All right. Oh, Bobby!
13: <laughs> what?
3: Do
1: you know what happens to little girls who make Santa Claus mad at them? Yes. What happens?
6: They don't get to look at television before they go to bed.
1: I mean, at Christmas, what happens?
6: They don't get any toys. All they get is old sweaters and underwear.
1: Well, listen, Bobby. This guy Santa happens to be a good friend of mine. What do you think of that?
6: Tell him I want an air rifle.
1: You would. Okay, okay. I'll even fix it so you can tell him yourself. How's that? Just fine. Ah, good girl. Hey, where'd you get that blood on your coat? You got a cut?
6: No, sir. That's from that bad man. I bit him on my hand.
1: <laughs> hmm. Okay, Judy, here I go. Oh, and uh, on the way down, maybe you better stop by the dog supply department and buy little Bobby a muzzle. If the kid doesn't like his looks, old St. Nick may get nicked. Department stores should have some kind of a congressional medal for salespeople who work in the toy department just before Christmas. I took the elevator down to 5, and when that door slid open...
3: (laughs) It was like stepping into Dante's Inferno,
1: junior grade. First, I got on a house phone and called Sandler, who was still in the camera department. He'd had word from the hospital. The store detective had died without regaining consciousness. I was no longer trying to catch a cheap swindler. I was now out to swap blood with a dirty murderer. A line of fidgety kids led me to Santa Claus, sitting benignly on his throne. I had a short talk with him and a short wait for Judy and little Bobby. Okay, Santa, now we've got to make her talk. That is, you've got to. All right, Dollar.
12: All right, now, kiddies, you'll have to wait for a moment. We have a special little visitor
1: coming to see me. Hello, Johnny. All set? Yeah, all set. Okay, Bobby my girl. now just let me give you a hoist up into Santa's lap. He wants to ask you a few questions.
6: I want an air rifle. Now,
1: you'll be a good little girl and answer all Santa's nice questions, and you'll get it. But not where I'd like to give it to you.
12: up you go. Yes yes, yes, yes. Well, there we are, honey. Now, tell me, what do you want for Christmas?
6: I want an air rifle.
12: Well, we'll see what we can do about that. Tell me, have you been a good little girl? Yes, sir. Hmm. Well, first, we'll just have to look up your name in my little black book and make sure. Hmm, pretty good. All but one little thing.
6: What'd I do? I didn't do nothing.
3: Well,
12: that's just it. You, you see, Bobby, I have a note here that today some people asked you what a certain man looked like and you wouldn't tell them. Is that right?
6: I'm afraid. I don't want to tell. They can't make me.
12: hmm Well, Bobby, maybe you and I had better talk this over. If you won't do something for us, uh, how do you expect it
1: Bobby's description of the murderer wasn't the greatest by any means, but it was better than none at all, with which we had been furnished by the personnel in the camera department and the kid's mother. We took the girl to the advertising department, where an artist made a sketch. Armed with a drawing, we made a tour of the store exits, showing it to the police posted on every door, giving them a rough idea what to look for, a medium build, pudgy man with black hair. And when they came across such a character, he was to be issued an invitation to show his hands. If he was sporting Bobby's teeth marks, then they'd really know. Well, this chore out of the way, Miss Whitehall and I sank our teeth in a pair of sandwiches in the tea room. The shopper's delight sandwich, to be exact. Cream cheese, walnuts, watercress, and pineapple on whole wheat bread. Mmm! We found the store manager, Sandler, back in his office. He, too, was eating, but he was on a diet of straight fingernails.
8: Oh, terrible, terrible, terrible. That's what it is.
1: Now, don't worry, Mr. Sandler. He'll be caught. As a swindler, he might have gone on for years. But as a murderer, it won't be long, believe me. Oh,
8: what to do, what to do, what to do?
1: Well, I've got several ideas. And the first is to get out of your office and start at the top of the store and work my way down. They're already doing that. Another sign of him. Well, I once found a mouse in a hayloft, so be not disencouraged.
8: And a pretty little mouse she oh, dear, was. Oh dear!
13: Oh, please try to relax, Mr. Sandler. Everybody's doing their best. Yes, I'm
8: sure they are. It's just that I—oh, hello. Yes, it's Mr. Sandler. Oh no. Where? How long has he been there? Hello. Oh. <laughs> I'll be right down.
1: What's the matter now?
8: About an hour and a half ago, our store Santa Claus stepped out into the employee's restroom for a smoke. He was slugged from behind. When he came to, he was all tied up in a broom closet, and somebody had stolen his Santa Claus suit. They just found him.
1: About an hour and a half ago? Judy, you know what that means? Oh, no. Oh, yes. Forty-five minutes ago, when little Bobby was giving Santa Claus the murderer's description, he was giving it to the murderer himself. Oh, good gracious. Instead of a kid's air rifle, it could have gotten us a revolver, size 38. <laughs>
10: In just a moment, we will return to the second act of Johnny Dollar. But first, CBS is going to bring you one of the biggest presents you ever received from show business tomorrow afternoon, Christmas Day. For a full hour on the entire CBS network, you're going to get all the comedy, all the laughs, and one of the greatest Broadway and Hollywood hits of recent years, The Man Who Came to Dinner. And The Man Who Came will be played by none other than Jack Benny, plus Charles Boyer, Gene Kelly, Dorothy McGuire, Gregory Peck, and Rosalind Russell. Plus Henry Fonda and John Garfield as narrators. You'll hear them all on CBS's special Holiday Hour tomorrow afternoon. Jack Benny, playing the man who came to dinner and breaking a leg, had to stay on and on and on. Now with our star, Charles Russell, we return to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: There's no place like a crowded department store for a fresh made murderer to be on the loose, especially one that's playing Santa Claus for a lot of rosy cheeked little nippers. I headed back to the toy department, but when I got there, the cupboard was bare. Our lethal St. Nick had decided to give up his red flannel and white whisker hiding place. We found the empty suit in a storeroom, tossed high on a stack of baby buggies. Oh, well,
13: Johnny, this is terrible. That man's a murderer. What are you going to do?
1: What am I going to do? Now, listen, Judy. By now, there must be 87 cops sifting through this store looking for that guy. They've got two cops on every door. Now, all I'm going to do is help them look. This is one of those everybody's problems.
13: You're right. I guess I'm just getting excited.
1: Well, that that's you, have a right to do. Come on, let's get out of here. I've got an idea.
13: All right, Johnny. I, oh, go. Mr. Douglas, thank goodness I found you. Mrs. Sandler wants you right away down on three... An old lady has just been shot in Junior, Mrs. Lingerie.
1: Oh, serves a right for not acting a rage. Let's go, Judy. Right over here,
3: Dollar.
8: All right. Let him through, please. Let him Lady, please stand back now. Well, Dollar, yeah. congratulations. Before, this store was only going to sue that company of yours for one million dollars. Considering what this shooting will do to our reputation, I'm going to make that five million. Uh, Mr.
1: Sandler, keep your powder dry. First of all, it's not my company. And second, you can't sue them for something they didn't do. And
8: third, you'd better get this poor old gal to a hospital. How badly is she uh, hurt, and how did it happen? The doctor's on his way, and we've sent for an ambulance. This woman was lost out on the back stairway looking for the ladies' room. That maniac saw her coming toward him and ran down the stairs, firing over his shoulder. The bullet just seems to have grazed her left side.
1: Uh, Pretty lucky.
8: Where are the police? They're searching all over the store. Dollar, what are we going to do? This is terrible for business.
1: Well, I suspect that any minute now, the cops will be telling you to do something that's going to be even worse for business. Close the store. Well,
8: close the store? Why, we're staying open late tonight. It's the last-minute
1: rush. I'm just telling you what I think. I think the cops will double the lookouts on all the doors and make you close the store. Then they can go to work. We lose thousands of dollars. They can't make me close the store. If you stay open, you might lose a few more customers. The hard way. Where's that doctor? He'll be here any minute. Oh, Mr. Sam. Well, yes, what is it? Well,
3: they
13: called up from the sporting goods in the basement. That man has been down there and held them up. And he
8: took four guns and six boxes of ammunition. Six boxes of... Oh, my. Oh, what's this going to do to our store? If you're
1: not careful, it's going to turn your store into the world's largest shooting gallery with live targets. You know what I suggest, Mr. Sandler? Uh,
8: What, what? Tell me what. Don't
1: wait for the police to tell you. Close the store. Sandler didn't like it, and neither did the customers as they filed out of the store past the scrutiny of the police officers still clutching their unfinished Christmas shopping lists, The process was slow, and while the customers were leaving, the clerks finished up their business, put the white shrouds over their counters, and they too filed out into the early night. The boys in blue, watching the doors, came up with several men answering the general description of our friend with a loose trigger finger, but none of them had little Bobby's teeth marks on his hands. That made it a 50-50 chance that Mr. Killer was still in the building. nothing more eerie than a department store after closing. In its white sheets, the whole joint seemed to be playing ghost. I sent Judy over to a steakhouse, Pietres, on 3rd Avenue, told her to wait. Then I had Sandler get me a gun from the sporting goods department. For that lonely, scared feeling there's no medicine that quite takes the place of a piece of cool steel in your little hot hand. sergeant, in charge of the police detail, posted men outside all exits. The rest he took up to the roof with them. They were going to run the whole store through their burly blue sieve, floor by floor, counter by counter, inch by inch. Sandler stayed with me down the first floor. Just for fun, I thought I would start working my way up.
8: Dollar, Hmm? don't you think we should get out of here and leave this to the
1: police? Now, I have several
8: goosebumps that agree with you, Mr.
1: Sandler, but uh, I have a very dangerous habit of trying to earn my money.
8: Oh, this is terrible.
1: Now, look, every counter and post in this store is just the kind of hiding place a sniper would pray for. I get paid for this kind of work. You don't. Now, why don't you go out for a nice safe
8: walk? It's my duty to stay
1: here.
8: I'm sticking with you. Okay,
1: but remember, two of us give him twice as much to shoot at. Don't it! I had to go and open my big mouth. Get down. Getting down on that floor could have been committing suicide in itself. The killer's bullet had crashed into a showcase. And a sea of broken glass is a risky place to practice diving. Having to swim out of it was twice as bad, but that's what I had to do.
8: Oh, Mr. Dollar. Now,
1: Sandler, keep your head down. Mm-hmm. Bury your face in a glass, but keep your head down. Yes, Dollar.
8: Tell me what to do anything but get me out of here. I have a
1: wife and three kids. Well. You'll do what I tell you to do. Your wife will go on having a husband and your kids will still have a father. Yes, yes, just just tell me. I don't know exactly where that shot came from, but from the looks of this glass, it must have been from behind us. Now, I'm going to leave you and crawl over near those elevators. While I'm on my way, you rattle around in this glass. Let them hear where you are. Give me about two minutes and then do something to draw his fire. Do What can I do? Do anything but one thing. Don't stand up.
8: I'll, I'll think of something. You'd better, but don't take any chances. No, no, be... but what are you going to do? Take some chances.
1: Once I was on my way, Sandler went to work with a vengeance. I could hear him thrashing around in that glass like he was trying to corner the Band-Aid market. I made it over to the elevators, scooting flat along the floor till I hit a car with an open door and slithered inside. Behind the protection of the elevator's front wall, I stood up, peered over at the edge of the door and waited for Santa to make the move that would draw the murderer's fire. I must say, Santa was dead game. And The way he made his move, he also stood a good chance of becoming plain dead. First, he stopped wiggling around on his bed of glass, and then he just stood straight up. The shot missed, but my eyesight didn't. The killer was shooting from high up, behind a pole. He was standing up on a glass showcase, hoping for a better view. And it didn't take me long to decide to give him a better view of the inside of that glass showcase. I started deliberately shooting his foothold out from under him. He was bleeding beautifully when I started to run... straight for the back of the store, firing as he ran. As one last souvenir, he threw his empty gun over his shoulder at me. People who live in glass houses shouldn't throw guns. I decided to join the track team and won on the chase. Back out of the main floor the employee's entrance out for the dimly lit shipping department and its loading dock filled with packages ready for shipment i could hear them moving around among them okay get your hands up and come out i'm giving you a chance but it's not going to last long get moving
11: i don't need your chance i've got
1: something better okay so you want to play I think I'll give you a couple of Yuletide presents early, and I'm sure nobody will mind if I open your head before Christmas. My hot-headed friend was hiding behind a high pile of wooden boxes ready for shipping. I grabbed a heavy, empty dolly, gave it a flying start, sent it crashing into the bottom box of the pile. Beautiful. The biggest crash since '29. But, Mom, I don't think I won. At best, it was a draw. About the 15th time I belted him, he belted me right back. Then he got his hands on a hammer laid it across the side of my head. I got the hammer did the same for him. and made a hole in one. He fell squarely into a man-sized packing case lying at the foot of the packing bench. I was getting weak, dizzy, I had to hold him. One thing to do. T- top a case lying right there. Already. Nails part way in. Put it on right right over him. Nail it
11: on. Good tight. Good tight.
12: Good tight. Uh,
1: everything is coming black. Then everything went white. Hey, corny as this may sound, where am I?
13: You're in the hospital, Johnny, darling. Hmm? But don't worry, it's only a slight concussion. They brought you here last night.
1: Oh, I suppose I have a hammer shaped hole in my head.
13: No, no, darling, it hardly shows.
1: Oh. Oh. oh, how could it? These bandages covering it up. Well, at least I got him.
13: Hmm? You what, dear?
1: I got him killer.
13: Oh, no, dear, you couldn't have. They're still looking for him. Well,
1: oh, no. Oh, my gosh. What time is
13: it? 11 in the morning. i got to get out of here. Why? Johnny, Johnny, please. Johnny, you're not supposed to get up. Oh, nurse, nurse.
1: If they let him get away after all my trouble, somebody was going to need a doctor. Judy and I hit the department store in 12 minutes flat. One minute later, I was in the shipping department talking to the head man. Now, now, Mr. Dollar, just
11: calm down.
1: Everything's gonna be all right. (laughs) Now, exactly what is it you want to know? That big packing case, the one that was lying right here in front of the bench last night? Where is it?
11: Oh, uh, the great big one? Yes, the great big one.
1: The one about eight
11: feet long and
1: three feet wide? Yes, the one about eight feet long and three feet wide. Well, there was something very peculiar about that case. You're telling me. Where is it?
11: Well, this morning we came to work. The boys saw it all packed up, so they put it on the truck for Upper New York State. Oh, no. Oh, indeed they did. But what was peculiar about it, even though they found it all ready to go, Later on, they found all the merchandise that was supposed to go in it lying around loose. It had never really been packed. Well, then quick, the least you can do is tell me where it went. Well, now that I can do. That box was the boss's big annual charity shipment of goods. That particular box is on its way to some of the unfortunates who'll be spending this Christmas away from home. All right, so where is it? By now, it should be at the New York State Prison, up in Arsening.
1: Expense account, item five, $12.80. Dinner check at Pietro's, where I had asked Miss Judy Whitehall to wait for me the night before, and where I inadvertently stood her up. Although, how a gal can stand up after eating $12.80 worth of food? More than I could figure out. Um, let's see, uh, expense account item 6, $10. Medical supplies for those poor CBS sound men, Burns Surrey and Billy Gould, who had to break all that glass during the show. Expense account total, uh, $511.50. You may think this amount is a little high, but, uh, isn't everybody at this time of the year? Uh, signed, yours, um, truly... Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar is produced and
10: directed by Gordon C. Hughes. Stars Charles Russell. Script by Paul Dudley and Gil Dowd. Featured in the cast were Jay Novello, Georgia Ellis, Marlene Ames, Parley Bear, Paul Duboff, and Connie Crowder. The special music is written and conducted by Leith Stevens. Your announcer is Bob Stevenson. Be sure to be with us at the same time next week when another unusual expense account is handed in by... Yours truly,
1: Johnny Dollar.
0: Thanks for joining us at 1001 Radio Days, your home for the best of golden age radio, when radio was king. If you enjoyed tonight's show, please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. And one note, don't forget to pick up 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. That's 1,001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon.